You're listening to Connecting Minds, the student mental health podcast, brought to you by the Union of Students in Ireland. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Connecting Minds. I'm your host, Sarah Hughes. I'm delighted to be introducing you today to Ralph Armstrong-Astley, 3SET Project Manager and Leader for Work Package 3. We'll explain all of what that means in just a couple of moments. Prior to being seconded to that role, she was the coordinator of Trinity College Dublin's Student to Student Programme. Welcome, Ralph. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. It's lovely to be here. Um, So as we said, you're the the three set project manager and leader for Work Package 3. That's all a bit of a mouthful. Can you tell us a bit more about what all that involves? Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's a it's a pain actually writing it all out sometimes. But yeah, but basically, three set is um, a project that started in 2019, and it's funded by the HEA Innovation Transformation Fund. Um, and the whole project is looking at um, student resilience, student engagement, um, helping students to stay in college, and really identifying the barriers to that. And um, I think what we all know at this point is that the biggest barrier to anything is whether we feel that we belong, um, whether we feel that we can be part of something and whether we feel like it's the right place for us. Um, so, you know, we're, we're coming very much from a student services and wellbeing perspective to say, well, you know, how, how do we help students to feel that this is the right place for them and that they belong? And, and what do we know about students' experience of college? Um, so we, we, we have three work packages um, all together in it. Work package one is in UCD and they are looking at, you know, why students go to counselling services and what data they can gather from students who are presenting to counselling services to really paint a picture nationally about what students are going through, what are the biggest problems, what are the things that we should be addressing at a national level. Um, so collecting all of that data that is normally only gathered locally and being able to, to really paint a picture nationally of, of the, the distress that students are in and how severe that can be and what might be behind it. Um, and then work package two in AIT is looking at the resources that student service staff might need um, to be able to to really work mostly on suicide prevention and critical incidents. So best practice around those kind of things and and making sure that all staff have access to the best possible resources to be able to implement those in in their their institutes when they need them. Um, And then the, the work package that I'm leading, work package three, is all about looking at how we deliver that kind of knowledge around student well-being, student resilience, um, belonging from students to students. Um, so in S2S, I was running a, a mentoring program and a peer support program for students in Trinity. Um, and it made a lot of sense to me that a lot of the things that we're trying to do as staff, um, actually, you know, when, when we train students to do it, um, it means a lot to students to hear it from their peers um, rather, from, rather than staff or as well as staff. Um, but it also... When <laughs> old adage that you you learn best by doing, um, when you train students to do this, what you're giving them is a real opportunity to understand from their own perspective what they've gone through, what they are going through, um, and to learn about themselves by trying to teach others about resilience and emotional well-being. So that's that's really the 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 aim of the whole project and the whole program is to to train mentors to deliver not just social transition, but also academic transition and emotional transition to incoming first year undergraduates. Um, and then to evaluate how how that how effective that is for the, for those undergraduate students, but also how effective it is for the mentors and what they learn doing it, and whether that's a good model for them to be able to enhance their own well-being. So I think it's kind of fairly obvious, particularly within that package three, it's very student focused. 
Um, oh, yeah. And I, you and I know that USI are working very closely within that package in a kind of a, an advisory role. Um, but how else are students involved within in package three itself? So I think actually COVID came to our rescue here um, because we were, we were doing the usual, let's look at all the research, let's look at the evidence base, what's been written, um, what do we know from our practitioners around the country. Um, and then when we had to move online, we, we had to pause the whole idea of, of creating a, a, a mentoring program and evaluating it because we thought, you know, if we, if we try and evaluate what the student experience is, in this really weird year where everybody has to be online and a lot of students are going to be sitting alone in their rooms doing lectures through Zoom and that's, I mean, nobody's going to have a great experience here. This is, this is not going to be a great year to evaluate this. For, yeah. um, but what we could do, what could be really important now that we have all these peer-led transition coordinators talking to each other and working through this is, is to try and work out how we do this well online um, and especially around orientation when we'd normally be creating a great big buzz and students would be meeting other students and taking them on campus tours and doing icebreakers with them and all of that stuff that feels horribly awkward when you're doing it, but actually really informs your friendship groups, at least for the, to the beginning of your first year. None of that was going to happen unless we found a really good way to do it online. Um, so we started looking at that and we thought, you know, nobody can tell us what's going to be cringeworthy and what's actually going to be a bit of fun better than the, the students themselves um you know we're really out of the loop here in terms of what people are comfortable doing in their living rooms over a headset in front of a computer screen so let's ask the students what technologies they're using what they're comfortable with um, so we got this advisory group together and actually i was really overwhelmed by this because the first advisory group meeting that we had had over 50 students from around the country coming together really just to find out what was going on and just to be able to talk to somebody else about everything that was happening because it was so overwhelming um, and we learned so much from them not just about what we wanted to do with orientation but about what they were going through um, and they were so engaged with the project that we came back and we said okay if if we ran this again and instead of asking you about orientation we asked you about the pilot model and we show you what what work we've done to date we just say rip it apart tell us from your perspective what would work better would, would you do that for us and and they did and they you know we we had two really good advisory groups um, that came and kind of looked through all the materials and told us what would be most relevant to, to them as students, whether that is them going back to their own first year experience and saying, I think this would have been awful. Um, I think that would have been really useful to hear. I'd rather have heard that from a counsellor, but I would rather have heard that from another student um, and taking all of that information to form the programme that we're trying to deliver. Um, and we've just actually launched our third advisory group now. So we're, we're again asking students from around the country to come together and really look at the materials that we've developed and tell us, you know, what's awful about them. <laughs> again, what works because we're, we're, we, we don't know, you know, we're, we're not the experts here. And I think that's that's got to be one of the, the, the leading principles of any kind of peer transition or peer-led programming is, you know, staff cannot tell students what's best for them. We can facilitate and we can use what we've learned over the years working in universities to, to really accommodate what they're telling us, but they need to tell us what works for them and what doesn't. So that, that's what we're doing with the advisory group at the moment. And uh, open plug, if anybody wants to join it, you can just get in touch through our website um, and we'll add you to the, the mailing list. And we're, we're meeting once a month for an hour and we're plowing through resources and, and being very, very honest in feedback with them. We're also inviting students then if they want to help us by doing voiceovers making videos, participating in videos, talking about their experience. We'd be really, we'd, we'd love to have the student voice more in the materials as well. 
Absolutely. And we'll share links to how to get involved and and information on how to do that in the show notes as well. I really thank you. One of the things that really um, struck me about this project and you've, you've kind of touched on it a couple of times there is about, you know, you said you're not the experts. It needs to have that student voice. And it's it's something that's really struck me throughout my whole involvement with this project in that constantly the first thought is, how does this benefit students? How are we sure we're right in thinking that? Are there some students we can get on board and ask about it? And I think yeah. that's one of the things it's really come across this sense of collaboration, both within the student group. You know, they had a chance to connect with people from, as you say, across the country. But from, you know, those of us working at a kind of a staff level, there's been a chance to kind of get together and kind of say, what are you doing on your campus? How's that working for you? We tried this, it kind of worked okay. And there's this sense of shared working and not having to reinvent the wheel, but just kind of adding bits and improving here and there, um, which I think can only result in kind of better outcomes for students at the end. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I, mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> right, we, we work in places that can sometimes be quite siloed. Um, and people worry, I think, you know, because we're all competing for funding from a small pot sometimes or, you know, that, that it's very difficult to, to encourage people to, to share resources. Um, but if this project has taught us anything, it's that, you know, we don't have the resources to do this in isolation. And reinventing wheels is just such a waste of the very little that we have. Um and we learned so much more from each other. It, it actually, I think that happened back in that we had a symposium in 2019 where we asked practitioners from around the country to come together. Um, and we were talking about how great it was working with students and seeing students collaborate together and working through problems together and really that they are the answers to their own problems so much more than we're ever the answer to their problems. So just facilitating that conversation. And then there was like this kind of moment where everybody sat in the room and went, we're doing that for each other now, aren't we? We're actually just, you know, supporting each other. We're talking about what we're doing. We're finding the common ground. We're giving each other possible solutions or improvements. So how long have we been in our careers talking to students about peer support and not peer supporting each other? That's that's nonsense. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and there was such a great feeling in the room that day of that. You could nearly the collaboration was nearly palpable at some stages mm. through that day. Um. In terms of if there's anybody listening who's not really sure about what peer mentoring is all about, can you tell tell us a little bit more about what's involved with that, what it looks like? Yeah, I mean, I can I can, t I can say it from a student to student perspective. Um, I think it's important to note that each university, college, every every higher education institute in the country has its own version of doing this. If they do have a mentoring program, it won't be the same as anywhere else's, and that's quite important because they're designed by the students um, to support incoming students and, and every incoming student is going to have a different experience and every institute <laughs> doing things. So there should never be a one model for all institutes at all. Um, but the, the, the underlying ethos behind it is that, you know, there's, there should be some training for students um, to be able to recognize the value in their own experience. Um, and to be able to say, you know, what would have helped me coming in to college, what would have helped me with that transition is hearing from another student that X or that Y. Um, and then having the confidence to sit down with normally a group of students because they're quite social programs. It, you know, the, there are some mentoring programs where it's very one to one or you might have five mentees 
but you meet them all individually. Um, for us, it's very much group-based because it's very it's a social program. But the, the the idea remains the same. It's about sitting down in front of those students and knowing that there is a value in you saying to them, look, this is what I went through um, and this is what I'd suggest and these are the services I'm aware of. Um, it's not ever about fixing somebody's problems for them or being an expert in anything. It's about being able to say as a fellow student, you're not alone in this. Um, I've been there or I am there. These are the things that have helped me. What do you think might help you? Um, so our training was always quite based on active listening um, and, you know, helping somebody to solve problems for themselves um, and access other services. So signposting um, to, to the right resources around campus just to make things a little bit easier for people. Um, and whether that's just making sure that somebody knows where the toilets are when they first arrive, which, you know, isn't just an issue for first year students anymore. It's an issue for most second years as well. Um, but it also, you know, knowing that a, if, they, if they start to have any kind of problems with anxiety or um, if they're feeling that they're just struggling with motivation, that they're not alone in that, um, that that doesn't mean that they're failing, that it just means they're going through quite a standard student experience and these are the services that can help them. Um, and there's a huge comfort in hearing that from another student. Yeah, and I think one of the key things that makes the the these kind of programs a success is that they operate complementary to other um, you know sources of support like the disability yeah. services, yeah. counselling, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. There is, as you say, that you know things have changed massively. You referred to it in in relation to the program in terms of the pivots we have to do. Um, but in terms of for peer mentoring, uh, you know, you mentioned how, you know, there's second years who've, who've never been on campus up until a couple of weeks ago, needing to know where the toilets are. How has COVID changed the the landscape of peer mentoring, do you think? There have been positives and negatives to that one. Um, and I think some things are a little bit of both and, and time will tell. I mean, obviously, the the ability just to sit in a room with other students and, and get to know them. There's so much that you don't get to know about somebody when you're just sitting in a, in a room online. There's so much that you don't get to say. There's so much that comes across differently in written chat messages as opposed to just open conversation and eye contact, body language, and all of that has been missed out. So I think there are whole friendship groups that are just are going to shift and change as people start moving back into face-to-face and that's going to be that's going to be another transition. It is another transition. We talk about transitions all the time, you know, secondary level into third level or, you know, coming out of work as a mature student and going back into college. Um, but, you know, this, this is another transition, having moved to online and then going back into face to face and so much having changed and so many people around you being people that you've never actually met before. I think that's quite an overwhelming experience. Um, and it's something that we need to support the, the mentor volunteers through as well as the, the first year students because it's it's a big big change for a lot of people um on the plus side though that like the the sag groups are a really great example of this and i know it's not the only thing that's happened here but the ability for people to meet outside of their own groups and outside of their own institutes um there's been a lot more opportunity for national collaboration um and that is stuff that we, we've tried to do in the past and we've had some successful kind of national conferences, but normally they run out of steam quite quickly because student timetables are very busy and finding money for transport and hotels and everything else. Um, so actually getting people online and meeting online and getting peer support from other mentors around the country has been really, really great for some of our students, certainly. And I hope for, for the other mentors that they've been engaging with. And that's something that I'd love to see continue 
in our, I hate to say, you know, there's, there's cliches that are coming up in the new normal or the post-pandemic landscape or, or whatever is going to happen next. So I would hate to see that lost. Absolutely. But I really think it's time for people to start making connections again. Yeah, I do think, you know, there there have been some of the adaptations that across the board have had to be made in the higher level landscape um, because of covid I know everybody's anxious to get back to, to, as you say, the new normal, but there are some elements of it where positive developments um, that provide those, you know, different ways of connecting with with people you might never have connected with before. Um, If there was somebody listening who was thinking about, you know, they've never heard of of this peer support thing before, um, Mm -hmm. what what would be the benefits of somebody becoming a a peer support mentor? Yeah, I... I think that I'm going to be a, a total salesperson on this one now. <laughs> to be careful, but, uh, I think that the the biggest learning for me on this one is we started looking a few years ago about you know how do we reward volunteers and how do we acknowledge volunteer achievement, and you know lots of stuff comes up around well they can put it on their CV and you can write references and there's digital badges and you know. <laughs> there's nothing to, to say that's not important that is hugely important um and you know certainly looking at employability and all of those buzzwords there's an awful lot to be said for what you learn as a mentor that shows your willingness your, your willingness to be a leader to take on um additional responsibility to communicate well in groups all, all of that stuff is really really important what we found though was that when we were recruiting student volunteers and we asked them why they wanted to volunteer there would be a very small percentage that would say for the hoodie or for my cv now, maybe lots of people were thinking that and saying something else but you know what came up an awful lot was i wanted to give something back because i had a really good mentor or I had a really awful mentor and I know I can do better than this. And more than anything else, like the, the top one, the top reason for volunteering was I want to do something to help. I want to do something meaningful. And that that's a real challenge in a way because it's very difficult to feed that back to a student and say you've done something helpful. Um, but when we started asking students to anonymously give feedback to the volunteers about what they what what the experience meant for them or why it was important for them to have those mentors we got you know that that that's probably the highlight of my career to date is taking those responses back from first year students and saying to the mentors this is what your group members were saying they they wanted to stay anonymous but this is this is what they said about working with you and this is what they enjoyed about it and seeing the reaction to that because that really was what they wanted to do was just to connect with other students and to help them and that, I mean this is the best opportunity out there to do that um but I hope as well that in, in that practice of reflecting on what they've done and, and in, in what they've learned as a volunteer, there's huge personal growth as well. Um, and also it's a great way, it sounds slightly cynical here, but, you know, the, there's no point in having a mentoring program for volunteers, which is all about first year students getting to know each other and making friends and not doing that for the volunteers. So sometimes it's a really great way to, to meet people um, from other courses from other years, um, from outside interest group, people you wouldn't normally associate with on campus. And some of the strongest friendship bonds have been made just seeing volunteers working together who've never met each other before. And before you know it, they're taking on groups and, you know, spending a lot of time together and they just make really good friends. So there's a huge network of support there for the volunteers as well, if it's done well. I think it, that's just so fantastic to hear, you know, that the 
they're just by and large doing it out of the goodness of their hearts and the desire to do something good to help other people. I mean, it's not a surprise to me at all, but it's it's really heartening <laughs> to hear at the same time. Um, yeah. Looking forward then in the 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 larger project and within package three, what's what's next for the project? I'd love to have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would. Um, we would. We're, we're um, provisionally funded until next June. Um, so what, what we're trying to do in the last phase of this project is to bring together everything we've learned about what works well nationally from a from a practitioner perspective, from a student perspective. Um, and, you know, again, going back to all that research that we did originally, but also putting that student voice forefront, writing out a, a kind of national framework um, that will give access to all the resources that we've developed for the pilot program so that any university can kind of pick and choose from them and say, oh, that's really useful. I'll give that to our mentors or, yeah, I want to do a whole module on that piece. That's good. Or I'm going to discard that. That's not really relevant. Um, but also within that, what we want to be doing is making kind of recommendations for what is innate in a, in a mentoring or peer support program or what should be. Um, and that's around volunteer management um, and the way that they should be ideally resourced by their institutes or by somebody um, to make sure that they have the capacity to do the right thing by their volunteers as well as by their students. Um, so, you know, we're going to be building on everything we've learned about best practice from a student and staff perspective to kind of write those out. Um, and we're going to have another symposium, ideally, towards the end of February, beginning of March, for everybody to look at that um, and tell us whether we've got that right or whether it's the wrong thing for them to hear about mentoring programs. So be really interested to see what comes out of that. But ultimately what we hope to publish is something that really argues for mentoring to be taken seriously, um, for people to, to be able to use good evaluation measures that show um, leadership in HEIs, the value of these programs, the, the real value of the work that the volunteers are doing, um, and, and really helps the, the practitioners and the students to argue for better resourcing for those programs. And then if we can, we'll keep going. I mean, we've got one year of a pilot at the moment. It would be great to have a second year. It'd be great to have a year where students aren't online for half of it. <laughs> so I will keep looking for funding to keep it going. Um, but if not, at least we will have those resources there for anybody to pick and choose from. And hopefully they'll, you know, there'll be seeds that are planted elsewhere and it'll keep growing from there. That was a very unfair question for me to spring on you. But, um, you know, planning anything <laughs> in this this day and age is, you know, how long is a piece of string kind of a question. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think we're, you know, we're, we're at a really kind of exciting point in the project generally where we've, we've gathered a good bit of information. We've still more together. Uh, but as you say, it's looking to see what can we do with that? What actions can potentially come from that? Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I, you know, we're excited to keep on working on the project. Um, and like that, once the symposium is, is taking place and once there's outputs, we'll obviously, share them and include links to them in, in all our relevant areas and that. Um, but thanks very much for joining me today, Ralph. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Well, thank you for your time. And you know, you know, I could ramble on about this all day. So <laughs> thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. No worries. I think we both could, given the opportunity. Um, so thank you for listening to today's episode. Connecting Minds is made possible thanks to funding from the National Office for Suicide Prevention. If you have any comments or questions about today's episode, the podcast or the work USI are doing on student mental health, please feel free to contact us. Details of how to do so are available in the show notes. Sources of support are also included in the show notes. Please reach out for help if you are struggling in any way with your mental health. Take care for now.